0: Welcome to Radio Free Murktown, a podcast focusing on and funded by the gaming community at ExplorersUnlimited.com. More than just another play-by-post website, Explorers Unlimited is one of the world's largest online communities of Palladium Books fans who are taking part in a single epic storyline in each dimension within which all player characters can interact. Explorers Unlimited, where the only thing missing from the greatest adventures ever imagined is you. And now here's the host of Radio Free Murktown, Lloyd Ritchie.
1: I'm your host, uh, Lloyd, a.k.a. Auger and Jezebel. And uh, we just got Eric with us today. Eric, go ahead and introduce yourself.
0: It's just you and me today, Lloyd. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? My name is Eric. I'm also referred to as Servo by Lloyd over there. I am Ned Kelly, the AGM of the Australia campaign, along with playing Rufus, Chef Icky, and Beaver Gaston.
1: Yeah, I wish I had the time and wherewithal and everything to have multiple characters it's so, always so so fun and so much more relaxing to play a player character than a, be a GM. <laughs> you're enough of a character on your own Lloyd you know there's that but then again I don't have a moniker like Servo that's well known throughout the internet just saying <laughs> I, to quote uh, Harvey Keitel just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character dear
0: <laughs> uh, Ooh, snap Pulp
1: fiction <laughs> it was a burn <laughs> uh All right, so uh, we have a a couple topics for today. Um, We have the plans for Explorers Unlimited in 2017, the group spotlight uh, on Explorers, Inc., and uh, community poll results and discussion about what they want to see on EU in 2017. So we're going to take them in that order, and uh, I guess uh, fire when ready, Servo.
0: Okay, so I think we can all agree that Explorers Unlimited had a good year in 2016. Yeah. Would you agree? I mean you got the, the Patreon thing set up. Self funding for the first time. Yeah, you got get the row twenty campaigns going. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tied in and, uh, that.
0: Yeah. Y- you got a healthy number of people out on the out on the group. I don't I'm not sure if I want to call it group because they're individual groups, or we'll just solve the, the board. Right. The site. So where do you go from here in 2017, Lloyd? What are your plans for preaching the good word about Explorers Unlimited to the unwashed masses mm. to increase participation, to, to bring in new members, and to uh, increase buy-in into the Patreon?
1: Well, I think, uh, number one, to just to dovetail with the previous, I'd like to put a shout-out for Andrew Kiddo, our uh, latest uh, – patron we are one short of the 35 patron milestone reward for everybody uh so thanks for your support andrew well we'll make sure to keep providing value to you um but ideas for how to do it okay so how to promote eu further um and or provide value to the existing members in addition to this um first of first off is always going to the pally forums and not actively recruiting, but actively promoting. Because, you know, there being a distinct difference in recruitment is like uh, one-on, either one-on-one or preaching to a group. Uh, You know, you're kind of like the salesman when you're a recruiter, having done that, sadly, for the military years ago. Uh, Not something that's altogether too productive. And, you know, a lot of people find that annoying. However, to promoting something, that's like advertising. So, um, you know, we have a couple of threads on the uh, Pally boards. So we have reviews for which there is a continuous ongoing EP reward for, for people who haven't already posted a review. Uh, so if you um, if you haven't already done that, that's a good way to, A, promote you It's uh, kind of like an objective, you know, you're not me. So <laughs> it's... You're good and bad. Take I'm glad on you've was come there. to that realization, Lloyd. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, it took me a while. Um, so there's that. Uh, there's the there's the Explorers Unlimited thread, which is a sticky in the in the gamers looking for their gamers form on Pally. We were the first one to get sti- a sticky, as a matter of fact, because I lobbied Nimi. I was like, dude, I got a hundred players. Can I get a <laughs> freaking sticky on this? Because as you can see, we already have two hundred freaking posts in this thread. Can I just get it sticky? The site is not going anywhere. And that was like oh, three hosts ago when we had like meta ads and all kinds of crap on there from the from the host. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's it's so it's come a long way since then. But in addition to uh, promoting things through the Pally forums, I think it was last year uh, we did a an EP contest for promotional posters. Yes, we did. And I think what I might do for another EP contest is to solicit photos of people having posted printed posters in their FLGS, their favorite local game shop. Mm. So that could be a a nice win. Because, I mean, that's how I got my, when I moved to Illinois after getting out of the military, that was how I got my first gaming group going. And how I, I got like about a half a dozen of players to the site when it was still fairly new, because um, I hadn't really considered, like, when it was really new, um, uh, advertising to the Pally forums. I just kind of talked with some people that were on there, and and yeah, it just not It just kind of organically emerged. Uh, I think that was like my wife, uh, Brian, A.K.A. Dark Lord, and Steve. Um, Sir Thorn of long <laughs> repute and whatnot. Um, so you know, it was, but I found that the the FLGS. Although uh, you know, game shops are kind of struggling around the country. I found that's kind of like a it's kind of like church for nerds, really. They make regular uh, pilgrimages to their uh, to their establishment of uh, nerd nerdom worship and. And by the way, that's not an epithet, folks. That's just a a moniker (laughs) I wear proudly, like a badge of honor. So I I I think something like that might be also useful. Um, Yeah. And so that's Explorers um, Unlimited-centric. One thing we can also do, and I've talked about this, I believe, with VV, Vinata Svinko, a time or two, is uh, promoting EU through Savage Riffs, because the pinnacle uh, kind of fan base is, I'd have to say it's is as large, if not larger, than Pally's, although maybe not as deep. It's you know, yeah, it, you know, it's a, it's it's like political convic- convictions again uh, amongst most people. You know, a mile wide and an inch deep. You know, uh, whereas the Pally fans tend to be. You know, an inch wide but a mile deep. You know. There you go. <laughs> Dedicated. You know. Uh, but uh, it, but at the but by the same token, the Savage Rifts is just a super fantastic setting, and VV's got that, and it's gradually building into something good. So I think I'd like to uh, see about getting some uh, bring the good news to the folks of Pinnacle. You know, and if not, if they're not interested in. The Pali side, which is totally understandable, at least promote Savage Rift side, and uh, try to work with VV to set up a, uh, a patronage for you know that goes through that and has its own rewards, because I think that would be uh, rewarding and interesting.
0: Because uh, when you think about it, yeah, the system is an old system, and it we'll just say it's not the most consistent. Uh-huh. And it's not the simplest. Uh-huh. But the setting... The setting is just so magnificent. I mean, it I, I put Kevin Sambeta in a similar category as Tolkien and Lucas. For
1: creating interesting create The worlds the they
0: created yeah. have far outstripped the original intent.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: And maybe... In times, their ability to tell stories within it.
1: Right. Right. Because it's got the epic scope so they can do yes. that. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the things. That's why and this is probably not even close to uh, being a, a marginal opinion among Pally players is, good God, why didn't you license your shit sooner? <laughs> right? It's like, here's a Savage World System, here's You know, a system that people like because it's simple, it's streamlined, and it lends itself to just having fun and not worrying about the mechanics so much, and it's customizable and stuff like that. And then you have... But their settings are, like, kind of all over the place, which is kind of cool in that Mm -hmm. you have a lot of variety, and they're all, you know, they're all unique, and they have their own flavors, but they don't have that scope. Yeah. And the breadth that Rifts, for example, has, or even Platinum Fantasy, for God's sakes, that is... A massive world. When you think uh, about this, and that's all they needed to do was, you know, license out their IP so that they could get their content ideas, their settings into other systems.
0: Yeah, you talk about uh, the the Savage Worlds settings being pretty much all over the place. uh, Riffs, I was about to say Palladiums, but really, Riffs in particular, it's has that potential to be all over the place as well. But that's only because the system is set up, the the setting is set up, rather, to where everything is welcome. You want to play some sort of giant robot pilot, like straight out of your favorite mid-80s anime, you can do it. Right. You want to show up with a sword-swinging Valkyrie in a chainmail bikini. Well, you can do that. Right. I mean, just about any genre of sci fi slash fantasy that you want to indulge in within reason, you can bring in that character. You can have that feel. Right. And yeah. I think that's always been one of Palladium's strengths.
1: Yeah, it was the, uh, the idea of having a, a universally accepting setting, a uh, mm-hmm. baseline of rules for a universal uh, kit bash of any kind of genre. Yeah, Dad, I think that I think it started off with tour, but tour never really took off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kev saw that and was like, "Ooh, good idea. Let me oh, well, help." Lightium is a simple, fairly simple system, and for the time, it was. Yeah, you know, when you compare it to like AD and D that came out around the same time, my Rollmaster or Rollmaster. I mean, yeah, there's just it's really not that bad. It's just when you start digging beyond, digging deeper than. A couple feet into the uh, into the rules, that you go, wow. There's, there, yeah, there's lots of inconsistencies under there where it should be bedrock, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was one of the that was one of the the like his master strokes because you know he'd already developed a pretty good following with uh, Robotech and Teenage Mutant Ninja mm-hmm. Turtles, each of which sold millions of copies in an industry where if you sold a hundred thousand books, you're doing great. Oh yeah. So I mean, he knocked him out of the park, just being in the right place at the right time with the right IP, and then and then once again did the same thing with Riffs, and uh, you know because Tor just didn't really kind of take off, and then Riffs came out and it had that sexy creepy cover that everyone was like, "What the hell? <laughs> hot chicks <laughs> and this slathering monster? Oh my god!" And it sold like hotcakes. I think it even outsold T.M.N.T., which was a humongous seller, and the format wasn't even that good in those books. It was actually industry standard-wise, was fairly terrible. You know, black and white inside, maybe a color gloss outside, and the gloss didn't hold up long for long after out you know over time. But people loved the hell out of those books. Good Lord, a lot of people went through. Uh, one, two, three copies of uh, TMNT because the cover would peel off in layers, <laughs> and you'd just be like, "Well, I'll just buy a new one." You know? <laughs> <laughs> I am happy to report, though, that my my
0: copy of the original Rifts main book is still in fairly good condition.
1: Yeah, well, they resolved a lot of the issues by the time the '90s rolled around, and they yeah. and they cut Rifts. But I, yeah, I remember the same that same kind of issue with TMNT. Here's a limited revised. Which was a great I still book, have
0: my copy of that as well. Which
1: was a great book. but uh, Yes. I, <laughs> but uh, but given, getting back to promoting, because we got off on a tangent there. Um, <laughs> the other thing is um, potentially getting Radio Free Murktown on iTunes, which will get it to a larger potential audience. I don't know if it will have any real market penetration there, because we're kind of a, a niche uh, product uh, service uh, crowd even really well but at the same time you know uh, that means you know if it does start to pick up we can broaden the we can broaden the uh, look and uh, the topics of radio free Town to be something a little more generalized
0: or I look at or, it this way the podcast in and of itself and I'm not talking about just RFm I'm talking about podcasts in general uh-huh. They are tailor made for niche audiences. Right, totally. And I think that the wider you can cast your net, the better. the The bigger the audience you can expose R F M to, the better. And we did have somebody on the uh, on one of the threads in EU say. I see no sense in, or no benefit in bringing this to iTunes. And I'm like, dude, if you don't see the benefit in bringing that to iTunes, me spending an hour explaining why it's a great idea is not going to do any good. Right. Because yeah, I, even if you don't see a huge uptick in subscribers, huh? You're out there,
1: yeah, and on. As that,
0: somebody who's saying, "I'm looking for a gaming podcast," and they start searching. Well, there you are,
1: right? And not only not only that, uh, was, even for if if I expand the listening base zero percent, I am still providing value to some of the existing folks at nominal cost. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mainly time and life. I think about eight bucks a year for the domain. Um, yeah, for you know, to be giving them the availability of getting it through iTunes instead of going to Patreon, downloading it from that website, and you know, uh, and in conjunction with this, because of the way iTunes works, I have to actually use the website and build it to make it work. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they won't even you, you can't even get yourself on. Um, yeah. So that's you know that's another uh, another website. Uh, build and uh, I'm not going to have it be very much. Just mainly, mainly like a post board for the episodes and whatnot. It's um, a signpost, right? Totally. And, uh, and, and in conjunction with that, I've already started with one thing, and I think I think it might be helpful because uh, Ready Free Murk was patrons only for a good long time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and now that we're up to 14 here, um, what I've done is made the first i think half dozen or so available for free on patreon as well as uh youtube and so what i will do from here on out is when we release a new one i will also upload in, in the next old one so i think Good number, number six would be the next one that gets posted to youtube and and uh turned to free on patreon so although i could be off on my numbers that you got that theory um so making it more widely available for free as well. Just not the new stuff. If you want the new stuff, be a patron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing
0: wrong with putting that carrot on a stick out there for... If you really want to get the latest and greatest on the RFM podcast, you have to be a patron. Right. And it's not like you're asking an arm and a leg and maybe a few blood cells no. to go along with it. Two dollars no. a month.
1: Yeah, uh, That's when,
0: like half a cup at Starbucks, man.
1: Yeah, and uh, when, and I'm, I'm actually doing it the opposite of the most popular uh, podcast in the world, which uh, or at least one of, uh, one of the most popular podcasts in the world. The uh, Hardcore History is a, a giant podcast. They're really fantastic. All the new episodes are free, but if you come upon his podcast and you're like, wow, this is really cool. I want to listen to old ones. You got to go to the archives, which mm. you pay for, and they're, it's not a bad price. I mean, his podcasts are like two to four but or uh, two to four hours, and it's mm-hmm. generally like two bucks. <laughs> well, there you go. And he takes donations just like anybody else. So, uh, and his model works. I think the reversal work too. Just you know, this is a niche product, and that's huge. So, yeah. <laughs> um, So I think those are the. Uh, that's the bulk of it, though, um, getting things out on iTunes, uh, the Radio Free Marktown website, um, getting things um, through Savage Riffs via, you know, Pinnacles uh, player community, you know, just generally keeping things promoted on uh, Patreon, which reminds me, if you guys aren't already aware who are listening, we have our own Facebook page that it's also where we let people know about stuff. So there's lots of different ways to access what's being released and what's coming up, and that's uh, the, that's the gist of it. Although for 2017, I think we're going to need to do another epic, and so yes, you can expect there to be a poll out regarding hey, what do you guys want to see in an epic come the new year at some point? Because it's in the GM's guild. It's been a topic that's been addressed for. Uh, at least six months we've been talking about doing another epic and, and shooting out our own ideas. but I'd like to see what the player base wants and see about maybe catering to that. Uh, it could just be a culmination kind of thing for the uh, the demon invasion basically. but who knows? We've well to the players.
0: I, I tell you whose brains you really need to pick on this and that's dark Lords and consumers. Yeah. Because they are doing the the mini epic. I don't know mm-hmm. if you could say mini epic, but mm-hmm. it's both the face world groups are involved in one storyline is the Minion War. Uh, I want to say uh, straight out of Dimension Book twelve. Not out
1: of Compton. Where, huh? Not out of Compton. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> straight out of center.
0: But no, it's working really good as the Galactic Adventures and the Galactic Rose. And both groups are interacting with each other. And as a matter of fact, there are some members of each group working with the other. Right now, there's a team going to the power distributor and another one going to the gates. And so each team is comprised of
1: both groups. And it's it's working really well. So I'll ha- I might have to do something um, something big then, because I remember the last time we had a multi group thing go on that was actually formal uh, mm-hmm. was actually with Explorers Inc. and them and the Roughnecks uh, explored. <laughs> well, it was the Robotech factory satellite crashed on Rift's Earth, oh. and I whipped up a fairly gigantic map and uh, ran them both on a... Each was blind to the other's location because they weren't going into this together, but separately. Mm -hmm. And so there was an unknown group out there. There was hostile uh, Mecca, basically, uh, and Invid all against... And they ended up almost... Well, they traded some shots because they didn't know who was who. And then they were like, oh, oh, hey, you know. So, hey, they, we've heard of you. Yeah. Then they met up and uh, and helped take it down. But uh, take down the bad guys there. But um, it, was, it was interesting. But I think maybe I'll have to do three or four of those and farm those out to the GMs to see how they want to manage that.
0: I think that works well, having just two groups interacting with each other. Yeah. Because when you have, you know, how many groups have we got? In Murktown right now. It's like six, seven.
1: Oh, let me take a look. Let's see. We got. We have Here's for Hire, Spook Squad, okay. The Templar, The Roughnecks, The 110th SOG, The Paragon Acquisition Services, Explorers Inc., AAPS, uh, Eurasia, Australia. That's 10. Uh, minus Eurasia okay, so, in so Australia, it's eight which in is Mark sitting. Town. It would be 8. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See that's that would be exponentially more difficult. But if you just do like four pairs. Two, yeah. Yeah. Four pair it just lets your the GMs of each group just kinda like powwow amongst themselves.
1: And I can I can be the one to provide them the epic map that's big enough yeah. for both groups and everything. If, if 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 GMs are willing to learn how to use maps a little bit. <laughs> but Photoshop people, it's not that complicated. Uh, yeah, it
0: really just it, getting them on the same page, and I'm not just talking about map wise. Right, getting them all in Merktown at the same time, or just in mm-hmm. a position to where they can. Because mm-hmm. I want to say that the, the Templars missed out on one particular epic crossover because we ju- we weren't in position.
1: You know what might be interesting and. It might solve this, and it's a little fudgy, a uh, little hand-wavium-ish, but oftentimes you'll see this in a, you'll see this in comics, sci-fi, you name it, where two things basically happen at the same time because of like some sort of temporal mm-hmm. you know, hand, GM hand-wavium, and so you can run two things at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If GMs are willing to do that.
0: Which Kind of leads me into while we're talking about plans for 2017. Uh, uh, You put up a thread there in the out of character topic section of what people wanted to see in 2017. Oh, yeah. And Brute had a pretty good idea of something kind of along that line. But for lack of a better term, it's Explorers Unlimited meets Secret Wars. Right, where you you put you put down like an EP as a buy-in, and basically your character from the group, I like say for me it would be like Icky or, or Rufus. You go into this campaign, and it's going on, I guess, like in a little pocket dimension or something. Right. While you're still playing in your normal group,
1: there's an upside and a downside to that. The upside being those players who really want a higher post rate will have twice, you know, will have twice as much to do with that one character, and so mm-hmm. they'll be able to, like, uh, like Sir Thorn's old player Steve, he would chomp at the bit for this because he is almost always the first person to post and is always chomping at the bit and pushing others to post, post, let's get this going, you know. He would <laughs> love to have a two or three posts a week kind of uh, pace. And then there's the other folks <laughs> who are like, oh, thank God I got to post in this week, you know? Like myself sometimes. Uh,
0: yes, I, I find myself more on that end of the spectrum than I do the Johnny on the spot, got to be first to post. Right. You know? But I like this idea. I mean, I really do.
1: And he and also, he also uh, tacked in a. Uh, an extra idea which was kind of interesting which is some sort of like a earned reward from participating and I like that because that's almost like a MMO kind of thing like okay mm-hmm. do this and achieve that and you get this little Benny of whatever you
0: know, It's uh, the Explorers I, Unlimited DLC.
1: Right right. <laughs> uh, so you, you know you get the you get you know you, if you complete the, uh, the, the campaign you get this thing and mm-hmm. It could be uh, an actual item that people could use that would be cool, Um, although it'd have to be super general or go to the basics, the the fundamentals of the mechanics of the game for some reason, Mm -hmm. you know, to address things like that, because Rifts is so universal. Mm -hmm. Or it could be uh, Flash, you know, Flare, uh, you know, a a special badge that you can wear on your uh, signature or something like that, which I've already done that with the medals for jamming certain types of games himself. and
0: stuff. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not that big on the medals. I really <laughs> am not.
0: It, it's, I mean, they look good. They look good on a resume. But, you know, when you've got, you know, five or six mini-missiles coming in on you, a medal ain't gonna protect you. Right.
1: <laughs> All the flair in the world isn't gonna help unless you have maybe chaff. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, um... So, what the particular reward might be, I don't know. I think we'd have to figure that out before we started something like that, just so we everyone knew what their incentive was. Could it be like
0: a free roll on one of the uh, Explorer Point menus? Like, like, say, if you're if you're playing a super, you get to roll on a minor power or something. Or if you're a spellcaster roll on a minor spell.
1: I tell you uh, an easy way to do this, and it, it occurs to me this is, this is much more facile, uh, would simply to be to require an EP buy-in, a small EP buy-in, he is... and then give an EP reward at the end Okay, that's larger than the buy-in. And so you have to complete it in order to recoup your investment, but your mm-hmm. investment comes back in spades, and you get a cool adventure in the in the process. And you yeah, we call that good players. ROI. Yeah. So uh, you know you get all the player, yay! I participated in this, and you get you know five, ten EP, whatever the case may be, as a uh, as a reward at the end. I think that would that would probably work, and it would save me a lot of effort in having to design something cool and universal and uh, f- you know flair for everybody.
0: And let's also not forget if you're going to get XP tracked for this secret wars adventure
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: okay you get that which will allow you to up your character yo know, you might get to level faster and depending on how it uh, boosts your post rate yeah. you might get additional EP out of that. Yeah, and
1: I I, I don't remember who said said it recently, but somebody um, not too long ago mentioned, uh, and it might have been in this thread actually, a potential XP boost, like 10% extra XP for a year or whatever for completing it, and that's an interesting idea too.
0: It is, but I think it'd be more of a headache logistically.
1: Only for the AGMs like you. <laughs> ah. <laughs> GMS think <laughs> in terms of their own <laughs> satisfaction. <laughs> ah, yeah, I see that rolls downhill. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, Brute's idea is interesting. I, li- I like the the more general concept of a crossover event. Yeah, I think that's a uh, that's a useful uh, idea to put out in there. Especially if it's you're not talking about an entire group
0: crossing over so like Rufus meets Jezebel meets sir Roneth. imagine how that particular group dynamic would work
1: she finally finds a furry, a furry friend she can uh, she can hang out with and at the same time she also finds someone who with whom she can mock sir Roneth that would be there fantastic. You know. <laughs> Look at that goody two shoes. My god, what does he think? It he shits rose petals, you know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and looks like uh brutes down with the cooperation against a greater threat, which that's always tends to be more my thing. I, I prefer that to PvP any day.
0: This to me sounds like it, it would be a situation tailor made for mechanoids.
1: Oh my god, we haven't any... even servo, well, that's a great idea. Because I haven't even introduced the mechanoids on EU at all. People, stand by for the mechanoids in 2017. <laughs> now, now we're going to have to create a banner image for that. The mechanoids are coming. That is fantastic.
0: And if you looked at comic book examples like you know, Secret Wars, or I guess for this scenario, a better example would be the Secret Defenders. Which is where Doctor Strange would say, "Okay, I perceive this danger cropping up, and this person, this person, this person, and this person would be the best ones to fight it." Right. So there's your there's your motive. There is your machina. Yeah.
1: The. Who You're MacGuffin. Say, I th- this is why I like the idea of an EP buy-in. Instead mm-hmm. of uh, select, you know, GM selectivity or whatever, because mm-hmm. then you only get the people who want to be there.
0: Yeah, so,
1: even though it may be a mishmash, I think that would be interesting.
0: It's not like the Pro Bowl where everybody sends some some.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah, it'd be like Jezebel's leaving EI for this period. Ah, oh, that's a quarter <laughs> of the team. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of a lot of options still open. Uh, I like a, he had a, a pitch black style. Uh, This is Brute. Uh, Escape from some hostile planet or invasion, which I think that would pair well with the mechanoids. Yeah. An escape room or prison break type of quest, puzzles to be solved through cleverness, force, or dumb luck. I'm not that good at the whole puzzle thing, although I've done some of that on uh, Galactic. I think the pitch black one sounds a little better than that one. Clue style mystery. That's going to leave a lot of people hanging out. (laughs) Uh,. Horror style, horror movie style scenario, sort of like Ravenloft from D and D, or The Strange Upside Down in Stranger Things. Ooh, The Upside Down. is an interesting idea. That's that's a nice one. Uh, the upside. If, if you watch Stranger Things, Servo.
0: No, I have not watched watch Stranger
1: Things. MG. I know. Let <laughs> no. me channel my inner 14 year old girl. Omg, Servo. I know, bad geek, <laughs> bad geek. That is phenomenal, and it's not that long of a series, so you will totally dig it. But it had definitely has a a horror suspense kind of feel to it. It's in that genre. But at the same time, it's kids like role-playing dice-checking kids, too, Mm -hmm. are the protagonists. So it's it's just really good. (laughs) But transported to another realm where they're being hunted by a monster. Hunted by mechanoids. Yeah, mechanoids. (laughs) Insert mechanoids. Uh, Yeah, that that qualifies as monster, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that dovetails nice with the pitch black style escape from a hostile planet or something. Although, Mm -hmm. you know me, I'm less of a run, you know, kind of, that's not my thing for players. It's more of a, a, yeah, you need to do this for the quote unquote greater good, got to stop the mechanoids kind of thing. So I think a little, it's changing the, the direction of that a little bit. That, I think that would be interesting. But yeah, I think those two dovetail quite nicely. What did you think about uh, EJ's suggestion there, uh, Orbital Master? His Exiles style group? Because I'm not a um, comic book guy.
0: I, I like the, the base idea of taking a, one of your characters and exploring a wild scenario. I'd say what if and and he actually uses Icky as 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 an example like you know if chef Icky you have a version where he never became a chef and he focused his interests and obsessions somewhere else
1: and I like the idea execution means you have to create a new character basically though
0: yeah and that's really to me that would be more for an ongoing series yeah an ongoing game rather than just kind of like a Secret Wars one-off kind of thing.
1: Right. And, and how are you going to have any per, persistent rewards from something like that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, li- I, I like the, I guess I like the idea, but yeah, more, mm-hmm. more along the same lines as your opinion. Um, it's like, I'd be better for uh, an ongoing, because yeah, that's a lot of investment.
0: It is. It is. I mean, that's and way more. Than a
1: you company. think about it, Depending
0: on how many characters you already have, that's a significant expenditure of explorer points. Yeah. Just to unlock the character slot. Right. Now, I will say that I did try running a Heroes Unlimited campaign similar to this a long time ago. I called it by any other name. And basically, what you had to do was take the name of an existing. Marvel or DC super villain or superhero and work up a here's a limited character that fits the name but bears absolutely no resemblance to the namesake like the the best example that I could give was Aquaman well he doesn't have this Aquaman does not have any underwater abilities he has ultra physical structure liquid
1: right Or like, you know, hydrokinesis or something like that. Right, the same kind of aesthetic, but a different twist on it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And he doesn't talk to fish, okay? (laughs) Maybe he likes eating sushi. I don't know.
1: (laughs) He's the apex predator of the oceans. I had the Deep Wizards is Smorgasbord. I actually
0: got a commission from uh, former Palladium artist Freddie Williams to do uh, my two main NPCs for this a while back. It was uh, Batman and Guido. This version of Batman, though, he was more of a humanoid bat. I mean, he had the mega wings, he had the nocturnal abilities, that sort of thing. And Guido was a zembok
1: <laughs> One-eyed worm. <laughs> That was it. Oh, uh, so uh Halco had a had a he had kind of like some feedback on there, and also the uh, kind of idea with the main. T- I'll just quote him, i.e., the main timeline originals wake up after the crossover timeline is done, remembering one hell of a dream. But for some reason, the magic axe from their dream is sitting beside them. Blah blah. blah. So that's kind of a, a like it's another, kind of Twilight Zone. It's it's kind of like a. Uh, here's how you could do it with the crossover kind of thing running simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he actually <laughs> he actually talks about a lot of the same things we did. <laughs> uh, oh, there you go. So, damn those players out there. Some of them are just as smart as any GM. <laughs> uh, but if you do it with, like,
0: the free roll on, like, the minor power, minor spell, that sort of thing.
1: Right.
0: I mean, you don't even have to go that hokey
1: with it. Yeah, that's why I like the EP thing because then it, it's the beauty of the ep system that currency it enables you to do what you want with it and boy it frees up the gm from having to come up with you know these one-off kind of items and yeah just here here's the ep buy what you want <laughs> here here's a rune encrusted egg beater <laughs> right uh, so uh yeah, I mean, there's that. I think that that's kind of about it. Although they, uh, although I'm going to keep this thread open. This is the sole time it gets discussed on the podcast. So uh, <laughs> if you didn't get your uh, your two cents in by this time, too bad, folks. You don't get talked about. However, um, I, I would I'll keep this thread open so that uh, people can continue submitting their ideas as uh, things develop. Yeah, there's
0: been a lot of great ideas put out there.
1: Yeah, you know, especially uh, Halco did uh, did some good work on how to do it, and Neal mm-hmm. came up with some uh, Neal and EJ. I like EJ's idea. It's just I don't think appropriate yeah. for one off. So uh, you know, there's some there's some definite ideas out there, and mm-hmm. we've come up with a couple of our own. And now we have an audio record, so we can't not for, we can't forget. <laughs> so yeah, I think that that works pretty well. What else you got for us, Servo?
0: Well, there is the ever-popular group Spotlight, and it's one that is near and dear to your heart, because it's the home of your one and only player character.
1: (laughs) Explorers, Inc. Where where should I begin?
0: At the beginning is a good
1: start. At the beginning. Okay. Um, Yeah. EI was one of those um, spontaneously organized kind of groups. Like mm-hmm. this was long before the EP system made the groups kind of calcify and settle down, which have you have you noticed is an added benefit? <laughs> uh, yes, I have
0: noticed that.
1: So at the time it was, you know, if you if there was demand and not enough open spots for in the existing groups, you could just form your own. So as soon as you found a GM so I think it was Jezebel and Domingo and a couple of others were like, well, we should get together. And they all met at the Job Market Cafe, and they put their heads together, and they're like, okay, so yeah, we would like to form our own group, blah, blah, blah. We contacted a GM, I think another player actually, and he took up the mantle of GM, RG3, and he designed the charter for the group, basically. It's you know they were a sponsored group by yes. sponsored by Titan Industries, so right. which is a front for the R T three supervillain, the giant brain in a vat, considering you know global domination. So uh, how
0: much of that material have you been able, Has the GM been able to work into that?
1: The up until just recently, actually, we just got out of the sponsorship, uh, free and clear. Which it came out pretty well, but we had a number of missions before that, and mm-hmm. we had and we you know of course we've had players come and go, but uh myself and and Domingo have been there since the beginning, and we're still in there yeah we 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 did a lot of missions uh, we went to the old bones in free Quebec on kind of a spy mission, and that one was really good. And Jezebel got to uh, take on a Glitter Boy in hand-to-hand with the help of, like, I don't know, was he a Rocky Man or something like that? Anyway, (laughs) some big dude to take the shots. uh, She wrestled him and got the pilot out of his armor because she can machine merge. So she won herself a Glitter Boy, mostly undamaged. So we did that one in Free Quebec, and that kind of dovetailed into the next mission which was ex- exploring a crash site that uh, Free Quebec was their forces were kind of distant from but they you know they were on route it was basically like you know beat the co- beat the uh, coalition to the to the uh, mystery site right so mm-hmm. we raced there we got there before the for the Free Quebec contention and along with the Roughnecks who got the same kind of mission and then we Crawled on board, and it turned out to be the Robotech factory satellite crashed to Earth, and went through a bunch of a uh, bunch of uh, shenanigans. Uh, met up and did a, kind of a crossover mission with the Roughnecks, and ended up getting out just as the uh, and and set off the spacefold. For thankfully, we had some techs with us. Um, we and set off the spacefold to put the Robotech factory satellite back in its proper dimension, and. And get the damn infant off of Earth um, <laughs> yeah, there you go, so um then we then we did that, and then we i think we had one or two missions to South America, and we might have had some others too, but I remember specifically going to South America, and we had uh, good god we had a it was a cluster frac we ended up uh saving some local inhabitants and and uh, basically, like, finding a, tr- a a good trade route, uh, finding out for Archie that it wasn't a good ideal trade route. Like, don't even bother trying to open yeah. up a place down here. Uh, and all th- at the same time, got him a lot of intel on South America, sadly. And then we were like, okay, well, then they sent us to, like, I don't know, out near Yellowstone or something like that. And there was a bit of uh, shenanigans. The Republicans were out there trying to stop some mages who were engaged in some, some, some nefarious activity and Archie was trying to establish a mining site there, at least that was the, the gist of it, but that's where we found out, hey, all of our heavy gear is uh, bugged, basically, and sending intel back to Archie somehow, satellite, uh, moon base, this kind of stuff. And so we're like, well, you are totally not on the up and up. And Jez actually brought this whole thing to a to a head by disobeying an order and actually interrogating the guards, the republic, the two Republicans who we just thought were mercenaries uh, that she had captured. And it turns out they spilled the beans. And I was like, oh, my, and you know, Jezebel's like, oh my gosh, blah 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 blah. These guys are like our employers, are a bunch of duplicitous assholes. And so she broke it to the group and then they're like what do we want to do and then we decided to hell with them and Titan was well we didn't broach it as you bunch of spying bastards uh, but we broached it as we want out and they said okay and so it was clean and that put us back into Murktown, and currently we're investigating some shenanigans under uh, in that are happening in Murktown with a, a, new, DM, a new GM uh, Lucid dreams, who's a fantastic writer.
0: Yeah, I've been reading some of the some of the in-game posts, the story posts. and yeah, it seems really good. Now, okay, maybe I just completely missed it. Did you ever figure out that Archie was the one behind it?
1: Mm. No, no, we knew that there was there was serious shenanigans going on, like, yeah, all of our actions. We're being logged and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and transmitted without our knowledge and the mission is not what we what we were told it was. So mm-hmm. we were like, Okay, this is definite shenanigans. Oh, and by the way, all of their mechanics on site to fix stuff are like indefatigable. Mm-hmm. Like they work twenty four hours a day, multiple mm-hmm. days and, and you know, the we're not stupid characters, so we're like, <laughs> huh <laughs> and they're synths and, and yeah. yeah and domingo is a, a, a mind melter and he's like i'm not reading anything from these people so it was like i don't know what you guys are but <laughs> we're out you here. definitely ain't human yeah he and, and archie had a couple front humans working for him titan industries reps yeah and so but, he had there was so much there was too many different uh too many chains of plausible deniability and everything between yeah. the the brain in the vat and his front group for us to figure out.
0: But, and of course, the brain in the vat is still a, a, a layer of of insulation. Yeah, because really, all he is is a hard drive in a drawer.
1: Yeah, basically. So, uh, yeah. So we we got to figure out uh, the organization we were working for was kind of sketchy and not trustworthy and. That's where Jazz draws the line when it comes to doing a job, and you know she's not totally without scruples. So yeah. especially when they're potentially life threatening to herself, kind of scruples like I don't know what I'm doing for you, but it's not what you say, and I can't trust that because that could mean my bacon's in the fryer. But uh, but EI presently has three openings. Uh, we have we have five players. Uh, we got a uh, Jazz who is an an Arismal uh, alien. And a- heroes Unlimited alien conversion from uh, the Galactic game. Where she's an NPC. We have Domingo, who I've already spoken about. He's a human mind melter and the group leader. We have the newest players in, in descending order of newness: uh, Barrack, Darkwind, a, who's a Tokani, but a mystic. So big, frightening, not really the, but yeah, it's it's mostly aesthetically. Oh shit. He's not really terrifying. <laughs> the scariest
0: teddy bear you'll ever see. Yeah, kinda.
1: Not like Thorne, where he's the teddy bear of Roxpin from hell. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Maximilian the Fourth, the mutant poodle operator,
0: which Oh no, now you can't just say Maximilian the Fourth. You've got to give his full name. Oh no, no, no. Ma- no, I got it up I got it up here. <laughs> Maximilian, Felix, Barnabas, Wilhelm, Ferdinand, Sparklebutt the Fourth.
1: Yeah. So that Technicolor poodle is our <laughs> our mechanic, basically. The player's been very, very busy IRL, but has finally come back to uh, posting r- uh, somewhat regularly, right before the holiday post rate set in, too. <laughs> um, and uh, then we have our very newest, who is uh, John Dresden Smith, the demigod artifact hunt- artifact hunter. So... That's kind of an interesting one. No, he's
0: very... he, he does seem like an interesting character because if you're like an immortal demigod and you're hunting artifacts, it's kind of like – it's almost kind of like looking for stuff between the cushions of the sofa. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like – But the sofa is oh, the megaverse. <laughs> this is the Ark of the Covenant. I haven't seen this. I thought I lost this 300 years ago. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: He's kind of an interesting one. He has he's like very mystically oriented uh, mm-hmm. magic, so it's kind of uh, the group is kind of balanced in that Domingo is like massively psionic, uh, Jez is tech superpower oriented, mm-hmm. Max is a, a very much tech o- oriented as an operator, and Barrack and John are both you know extremely magic oriented. So I don't know. If it's a yeah. It's a fairly balanced group, but we could use a couple more players and some fresh blood. Just to well, just to get the it, this up looks once to be holidays are over.
0: Yeah, this looks to be a a really good group, and the and the characters work well with each other. Looks like, as a matter of fact, it's like I told you before we started recording. Uh, if I were to look for a another group for like Rufus or maybe Beaver, this would be one of the groups that I would look at, and I think I think Rufus and maybe Jason would be good good fits into this group. Simply, well, for one thing, with Rufus you've got the magic connections, you know, Barrack and and uh, John and then the dog you have the the Maximilian with you but also Jason with his love of cigars I think I, I just have this mental image of uh-huh. him and barrack just sitting around just lighting up fine Havanas and just like trading war stories
1: well see here's the kicker is Jez is a Jez is a, is a cigar smoker herself
0: oh see there you go
1: and you can actually see that in some of her various avid uh, Profile pics when I put them up there, her avatars or whatever.
0: Her not, current um, one is not though. No,
1: no. Her her current one is actually the original one, which has her in the ADF outfit and everything else. Where did uh, that come from? Deviant Art, of course. Okay. Photoshopped by yours truly. Got it. <laughs> and what's interesting is they're they're fairly it's a fairly balanced group, like um, approach wise, I guess. You know, magic, mm-hmm. tech, psionics, whatever. But we're not even remotely the same level. Like Domingo and my and Jazz are both seventh level characters because they've been mm-hmm. around for a while, and all the others are brand new characters. So they're all third level. Lucid D- Dreams has been doing a, a good job of uh, of balancing that out by uh, providing not non combat, but limited atypical, combat, atypical challenges. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had to, like, here in town, we've had to do espionage kind of work.
0: Yeah, I noticed that, you know, you're casing the brothel, and I'm, yeah. it's just kind of, <laughs> of like the thought of, Beric was kind of like, well, you know, I, I never thought I would actually go into one of these places. It's right. Kind
1: of, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's been, and, you know, Jazz did her, her sneaky thing, and, and, Max, yeah. and Max and some of the NPCs that are along with did their, you know, techie kind of things, and... Yeah, it's been pretty interesting. If I remember correctly, the immortal like played a bum to kind of blend in or something like that. I, I, yeah, or was casing the joint as well. Yeah, it's 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 been interesting. I'm looking forward for it to it uh, picking back up when the holidays are over. What else you got for me? Anything else about uh, EI you'd like to pick my brain about?
0: Um, do you think that there's a potential that maybe y'all haven't seen the last of Archie?
1: Yeah. Cuz Paul uh, Lucid Dreams he's a really good writer and he thinks he thinks deeply about storylines. Like mm-hmm. he puts up complex ones and they usually tie into backgrounds or previous histories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have a As a
0: good GM will do.
1: Yeah. My approach to that is Often a bit more facile than his, in that you know i'll, I'll go I'll directly appeal per adventure to one character and their mm-hmm. history, maybe there'll be an overlap with another, mm-hmm. but I'll usually be like, okay, this is Barracuda's adventure and it's yeah. gonna be on the river because he's got underwater abilities and and here's his ex girlfriend oh, and she's a villain now, and here's the guy who sent him to risk earth, oh, and he gets away, and you have a recurring villain and You know stuff like that, but LD does things a bit more subtly than my, you know, slap you in the face with the backstory (laughs) tie-in.
0: You're as subtle as the anvil that falls on the coyote.
1: Hey, I like I, I, I tell everyone I come into. I'm a smart guy, but when it comes to being creative, I'm better at tweaking the ideas of others than coming up with things from whole cloth myself.
0: You're like BASF. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. We don't make the technology you use, we, make, we make, it make it
1: better. That's right. That's right. I don't think that's that uh running into RC3 is out of the question. I uh, I if LD can persists as GM, I almost I would almost guarantee it.
0: Say somebody is looking at Explorers as a potential new group. For them, they're wanting to bring in a character. What are some character types that you think the group could use?
1: A smart guy, and a you know a skill monkey, because Domingo has some basic skills going. He's a mind melter, so mm-hmm. <laughs> his stock and trade is in his brain, and it ain't skills. Jez has a lot of skills, just because she's a conversion, but hers are mm-hmm. all kind of clandestine or combat oriented.
0: She's focused.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, she's a specialist. She has spec ops, so that's her bailiwick.
0: So you're looking at like a rogue scholar or yeah. rogue scientist yeah. kind of person?
1: Yeah, someone who's, uh, if a character were to come in, I think their best fit would be to be the skill monkey, the rogue scientist, the rogue scholar, the uh, maybe something out of mercenaries that's like a... You know, like uh, the Smuggler or something like that. Or the Samed yeah, Cracker. I although I think Jez would kind of make them feel inferior. Um, something like that would be really probably complimentary to the group. Uh, a Psionic would just be redundant, if mm-hmm. not a little overshadowed. Uh, a Mage would be totally overshadowed, because yeah. John is ungodly powerful, mm-hmm. although he doesn't know much yet. Farrick's got kind of a... a a mix of uh, being a mystic of psionics and magic so he's kind of the the wedge of you know filling us out the, mecha- the tech stuff although not the tech gunner kind of thing or anything like that mm-hmm. is kind of filled by Max so don't need a mechanic or a grease monkey or anything like that or a tinkerer but something that fits in outside of those things that's why I am suggesting uh, a Scholar-Adventurer-type archetype, that mm-hmm. would probably fit best.
0: Looks like you could also use maybe like a Wilderness Scout or yeah. maybe even a uh, Power Armor Driver.
1: Jazz has got the uh, whole PA-slash-robot thing covered. Because okay. Uh, okay. she can machine-merge and she has a Titan-series giant robot-of-death thing going. Or did she sell that for the... Gl- and
0: I was about to ask, how does Beric handle that? Because he's got the insanity, the, the phobia of robots.
1: Right, his are actual robots, whereas a robot okay. combat vehicle is robots. Robot separate. vehicles, he's okay with. Yeah, 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 because it's not self-repelled. So, yeah, she has a TR-004 Titan Heavy Combat Robot. She sold the Glitter Boy, even Dude. though it was a trophy. But yeah, she has the giant Titan heavy combat robot. So maybe someone that could fly, because none of us can do that.
0: See, that's why I was saying power armor. Yeah. Thinking like Samus or or Triax Predator. Yeah, that that uh, might be yeah. We
1: actually had one. We were down in South America, and he got shot down and killed. <laughs> the Republicans took his ass out.
0: That does kind of stink.
1: I mean, anyway, there was like know, a half dozen aerial power armor. It turns out they were the I don't know, Chromium Eagle or whatever, the Republican Samus oh, basically. Wow. yeah. And uh, Jez shot a number of them down and the other guy shot, I think one down, and but he got fragged and she caused a forest fire. I mean, it was just, that whole mission was just... <laughs> <laughs> collateral damage. That yeah. mission was massive collateral damage because she was stomping around in a South American rainforest with a giant robot letting loose of rail guns and mortars and everything else so yeah it was
0: that it was, was when jazz was yeah. known as slash and burn foe to yeah, her yeah. friends but <laughs> only behind her back
1: it was an interesting campaign but I'm, I'm glad it's over and we're back with ld we're actually doing some interesting stuff in murk now well folks uh this has been radio free murk number 14 with your host lloyd and our good buddy eric you couldn't decide regular. whether or not to call me Eric or servo or whatever yeah that was a, that was a mental stutter because you know <laughs> yeah but you're a, you're, a, you're a fantastic regular and we appreciate that. And don't forget when this short story contest is over you're getting bribed to do the audiobook version of it.
0: Oh yeah oh
1: yeah <laughs> I, I look forward to
0: story. seeing what comes
1: out. Just remind just to remind everybody uh, that's more than one way. Episode number five is available on YouTube right now if you want to uh, listen to that. And that's about 30 minutes of the dulcet tones of Eric going to... Trying play. to sound film noir kind of thing. It works! It works really well! <laughs> uh, anyway, have a good night, Eric, and every, all the you listeners too, sir. out there, have a good night.
0: And always remember, if the enemy is within range... So are you. This has been Radio Free Murktown, a WMRK production. Contact us at radiofreemurktown@gmail.com at gmail.com and support Radio Free Murktown on Patreon for as little as $2 per month. Visit us on the web at ExplorersUnlimited.com for more information.